Welcome to the Bayside Sports Pod. I'm your host, Seth Tao. I'm a sports reporter for the Star Democrat, covering the Eastern Shore for APG Chesapeake. Be sure to keep up with all of our episodes at the Star Democrat website, or on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me on Twitter at Seth Tao, and follow us on Instagram at stardem underscore sports. Hey everyone, welcome to episode two of the Bayside Sports Pod. Thanks for listening. On today's episode, I interview Marty Bailey Jr., head coach of Cambridge South Dorchester High School Boys Basketball. We dove into his coaching methods, his past experiences playing and coaching at Easton High School, his family, and some NBA. I think it's a really good conversation with a lot of advice for basketball players, athletes in general, and even aspiring coaches. So again, thanks for listening and enjoy. All right, so on today's episode of the Bayside Sports Pod, we have the head coach of Cambridge South Dorchester boys basketball, Marty Bailey. We're interviewing him today, so we have Marty on the line. How you doing, Marty? Doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing well. So Marty, like I said, is the coach at CSD. He's got a lot of history in the area. He's a Easton Hall of Famer, all-time leading scorer at Easton, coached at Easton, and he's been so he's been in the area for quite a while but let's just start I guess a little more generally what are three things that people should know about you should know about me I'm I don't know I just I guess I just love coaching and coaching kids because I came from the area and was lucky enough to have a few people look out for me to help me get to college and I've been trying to do the same thing ever since I started coaching um I don't know what, how many that counts for but that's that's my main <laughs> thing um I just like helping people in general it only have to be basketball. If it's something that I can help with and it look like someone's willing to listen, I want to help. What are your earliest memories of basketball? Just me being the smallest, the youngest out of my three brothers. Um, my oldest brother that um, actually my assistant coach, he's 12 years older than me, and they all at least used to play. I grew up in Ridgely for like up until middle school, and they, we, they were always just playing ball. Had two courts, full court, you know, in the dirt back in the day playing back and forth, everybody in the neighborhood would come by and play. And I just wanted to play. And so that's just where it started from. Did being the youngest and the smallest kind of instill like an extra drive in you? I think so. Cause back in the day you, you had to, you had to be able to play in order to get on the court um, or unless you was just a 10th player there, but then you never got the ball. So me being so much younger than everybody, I had to work, you know, to try to, to try to show that I could play with my older brothers. I mean, obviously if you, eight years old and they're 17 it's gonna be a little gap but that was in my mind like all right I just got to show them I can play what made you fall in love with basketball and what keeps you passionate about the game um just giving back falling in love with it was just being being behind my brothers and then um once they moved out <clears throat> I, it was already in me and I just wanted to I was I wanted to get a scholarship and because yeah, when too, too many of my family got a scholarship you know for college so that that was my goal they moved out and I was the only one in the house so it was kind of like therapy something to do but at the same time it was fun it wasn't it didn't feel like I was working it was just something I liked doing and I had an end goal at what point did you know that you wanted to be involved with basketball like for the long term by accident as far as coaching wise um when I got in uh, after I finished college um just you know I needed a break 
body beat up because it's gruesome. It's it's work in college. It's fun, but it's work. And then I just started. I just came back home and and start got into coaching accidentally. I mean, when I was in high school, like my senior year, one of my coaches told me that I was a coach, and I didn't believe it at the time because I didn't. I don't really speak a lot, not loud, and not like the typical coach. But it ended up happening that way all by accident, and I'm I'm glad that you know they put that seed in my head. Okay, so tell me about that process. You they planted the seed, and then you go to. Delaware Tech, Delaware State, excuse me, and how did, how did it all play out for you to get into coaching? Um, in the summer, I, while I was still playing, um, my father had a team, local team, little travel team, and I just came to help him out in the summer just for something to do. And, uh, and so I seen, and, and the kids at the time weren't that much older now, and they were, and they were looking up to me and they listened well. Um, and then when I graduated, um, the class, Herbert Dennis, um, the father and Herbert Dennis Jr. They had Jr. was um, around nine years old, and he asked me to help him out because he, he had a team. And um, but he wasn't gonna be able to do it, you know. In a couple of years, he probably won't be able to do it. I ended up taking them on, and all those, all of them are grown with kids now. And I didn't, I didn't see it happening that way. But then I started seeing them like they really are sponges at this age, at the younger age. They're sponges. They'll listen to anything you say. So I just want to make sure that I was learning and learning how to teach. I figured if I teach them things, that was the easiest way for me to learn. Instead of hollering, just teach. It would turn out well. And we did well. And all those all those boys did well in high school, moved on. Um, college, a few of them went to college, one went pro. So it was a good thing. What are some of your favorite basketball memories, just, you know, between playing at Easton and, and your coaching days? Just some of your favorite memories. Um, Playing-wise, it's – in Easton, it was it was always so much good competition, and we played AAU together with other schools. So like Albert Moore was was one of my friends, and and we were we were the shooters. So the gym would be packed, and it was we was always going shot for shot. So that was fun, you know. And then in the summer, playing together, and um, you know, our team was so good they na- they named us the Sharpshooters was our name. Kind of came kind of came from us, you know. It could have been anything. Um, so that, and then um, as far as coaching, it was winning that first regional title at Easton to getting over that hump because history, I mean, we've always had players way before my time and everything, but we could never get, you know, to the final four. Uh, we only had one Bayside championship. Um, I think it was 86, 87. And um, the last time they had went to the state – tournament was like in 88 so just to get that over the hump and, and letting the kids know it was like you can't keep saying next year next year I said next year has happened I said it's been 20 years I said y'all wouldn't even born in so it's like let's let's try to focus on doing something now and the kids just responded and within like I think my third year we was we had won the first one and then went on and went three in a row I mean that was that was amazing so you get into coaching and then you get, you go back to your high school alma mater at Easton and you're, you become the head coach there. How meaningful was it for you to have that type of success at the high school where you played ball? Oh, it meant a lot. I mean, I, I went there, I was assistant varsity for three years. So I was learning on the bench. I did two years of JV and then I then moved up to the varsity. And for me to come through there and us not be able to win the big games, even though we had good teams when we were in high school, I just wanted to be able to bring that joy to some other kids. I mean, I, and 
feel it for them. You know, them winning that was just as much as me winning it because I felt like I, I had a part in it. So it just it meant a lot to me knowing that I was from here and knowing that these kids just made some memories and can't nobody take it from them. What do you remember about that moment when you realized we, we've gotten over the hump at, at Easton? I think it was, if I can remember correctly, the first year, I think it was like, I think the kids really wanted it for me more than themselves, oddly as that seems, because like the, you know, the responses from after the game, it was like, coach, we did it. We did it. And they just was all coming to me, hugging me and everything like that. And I could feel it. You know, you could feel that emotion. Like they did it, but it was like kind of like here, that was for you, coach. That's awesome. How, how much do you appreciate moments like that, that in your coaching days? I appreciate it a lot. I'm getting chills now thinking of you know, goosebumps, you know, just bringing back thinking about it. And I just was at the Y this morning and one of the play, and one of my players was there the first, you know, the first championship that we won the regional. So it really brought back memories. My hair is sticking up on my arm now thinking about it. That's cool. So I guess now all, all this time later, is it weird for you being on the other side of the rivalry now between Easton and Cambridge? Yeah, it's still, it's still weird because – <clears throat> this born a warrior, and I'm saying I'm coaching, I'm helping kids. That's what gets me through it. But I mean, it's like I still, it's still hard for me to believe I'm at Cambridge. <laughs> it's just like seeing the Vikings and everything, and I don't know how I ride. We coming through school and everything like that. But then once I, once I get there, and it's like I'm just helping kids. That's basically all it is. And all the staff that's at Easton is still the staff that I had when I was there. So you know, we talk all the time. Oh. It's um, all of us are friends and everything. We talk about anything. We talk once or twice a week sometimes. Do these kids even know, like, do you talk to your current kids at Cambridge about, like, what, you know, do they know about your history at Easton? Um, I, rem- I, rem- I let some of the older ones know that I was there every- just to let them know, like, <clears throat> that's where I came from and everything and, and use as a reference of success. Like, if we do this, we can be successful. That's what we did here at the school. I reference it um, when needed. Um, but as far as uh, me as a player, like just getting in the Hall of Fame this year, so everybody knew about that. So, and I, I really don't, I don't like, I don't really don't talk about myself or anything like that. But when I got into that, they, um, everybody knew about it, and then they start asking me questions and everything to that nature. But I've really never brought it up. What was that moment like for you when you were going into the Hall of Fame? Um, it meant a lot because it's like I, they never had one, and to get inducted the first time. And over all the years, I mean, it's a lot of years when by a lot of great athletes. And for me to be known, I mean, get recognized, someone nominate me and, and get voted in means I did something right. You know, you're not when you're going through it, you don't know. We didn't have a Hall of Fame. So you just playing ball. I just had my goal to get to college on a scholarship and then turn turned out into being, you know, great player at the high school in the, in the process of that, not really looking for that. I'm pretty sure if it was a Hall of Fame there, I would have probably tr- shot for it. But I was just trying to get to college for free. <laughs> Is it more special to have that type of achievement while you're still coaching it in Bayside? And you have, you know, you mentioned that once you got in that your kids all found out about it and were asking you questions and things like that. Is it more meaningful to have to achieve something like this while you're still coaching in Bayside and you have a team of kids who can appreciate it? Yes, I believe so, because it's good reference and it, it gives you some validation because these kids now, they, they weren't around when I played high school, so they weren't even born. So, and it's, you know, we can always talk about people who could play and it's all a matter of opinion, but 
you know, with something that's in stone, Hall of Fame's in stone. So, you know, you get voted in. I didn't put myself in it. So it, 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 it helps out. And then every now and then I just show them that I can play, <laughs> you know, just demonstrating things and things of that nature. And they go, oh, okay. Then they can, <laughs> and I'll say, well, yeah, well, that's, that's why I'm in the Hall of Fame. I'll say something. That's the most I do about talking about myself. <laughs> <laughs> so what's one or two of the best pieces of advice you've ever received? Um, just setting goals in general. Set a goal and, and then work towards it and try to find people who've been there in order to get where you want to go. Um, it's a lot of people that tell you how to do it but never done it. And that's been a, a big model in my life because um, I, don't, I don't even coach, you know, like – the so-called, you know, coaches are up yelling all the time, the opposite of that. So a lot of people that, that don't, that don't know, you know, fans, they think that I'm not teaching the kids nothing, you know, and, but my validation comes from the kids letting me know. And the ones that, I, that are grown now coming back and, and telling me what I, what I did for them and some things that I said to them that I didn't even know meant so much for them, you know, just trying to teach them how to become young men. How often does that happen where you have kids who have graduated come back and see you? Um, uh, it happens a lot. I see a lot of them because it's now over time, it's been a few hundred kids. So the ones that are in the area, they, they, they pop up at the games and um, that, they see me, that come speak, text me. And, um, and uh, if, you, if you just go to the YMCA, sometimes it's amazing. I go there, I'm like, man, I coach, I think nine of the 10 players on this court right here, you know, <laughs> So it's, it happens, it happens pretty frequently, I guess, cause I'm still in the community. What are those moments like for you? Um, I get chill sometimes and, and it just makes me smile. It just makes me smile because a lot of things they say, they remember it. I don't remember it, and they got to bring it back to me. And I was like, Hmm, yeah, that did happen. And I mean, it's, it's good to see I mean, It's a good pat on the back every now and then. That whole goal setting that, that you said, you, the advice that you get that, did you like, is that something you try to pass on to the kids you coach now? Yes, for sure. Um, and that started when I was, at, you know, with the, at the, started with when I started the AAU team, when I started as assistant, and then they moved up to high school. And that's when I got to the high school varsity job. And it started from, you know, we want to go to the States every year. That was, the, that was the motto. So I said, all right, this is the goal. This is what you saying your goal is. I can't make it for you. And then we go through the process of, of how to get there so but yeah like I use that with everything right now I mean getting out of getting your class work done and all that kind of stuff set the goal for the week you know what, what days you have games practice set your goals and time that you need to get things done and you feel more accomplished when you get it I'm not sure if this will yield a different answer or not but I, I like this question so I'm going to ask it anyway uh if there's like one or two things that you would, would like when the, when these kids come back to see you like and they tell you what what they did what you did for them what's like one or two things that i guess you hope that the kids you coach take away from you or learn from you um just accountability a lot of a lot of things that come back where you remember the time you ain't let us play for a whole half because we were late foot on the bus and all you did was point it and said um i'll see you um in the third quarter <laughs> like things like that things where you think people would quit but they I held them to a certain standard and, and I, I try to lead by example the same way. So in practice also, if I make a mistake or say something wrong, I allow the kids to, you know, 
to check me in a way. We're like, Coach, what you say? I said, check with me. I said, I'm three drills ahead in my brain. So I might say something that don't make sense sometimes. So you got to slow me down. And me showing that I have faults and make mistakes, it helped me. It helped me with the kids. And like, it's okay. It's okay to talk. You can laugh at me if I say something crazy. I'm, I'm human. I'm okay. It's not going to hurt my feelings. If I said something crazy, let me know I said something crazy. Or just, just stop me and say, Coach, what you said? And we go from there. <laughs> so you, you referenced your style of coaching earlier. You know, it's obvious if anyone goes to it with one of your games, you know, you're not the type that that's up walking around on the sidelines screaming the whole game. You're sitting down pretty calm and composed. You'll get, you know, you'll holler at a ref as you did a little bit last night if some calls aren't going your way or things like that. But you're pretty calm and composed through the game. I guess does that style make it easier, make it, does that style have an in, make it make a bigger impact when you do make a statement in moments where you know you reference the whole, telling kids I'll see you in the third quarter or like even earlier in the season at North Dorchester at halftime when you just wrote soft on the board because you didn't think your team was playing up to potential like does it does it make making statements like that does it make more of an impact because you're not this type of guy that's hollering it the whole game. In my opinion, yes, it's it's worked for me. I know everybody can't do that. Not, not everybody has the same temperament, and they do what they are comfortable with. But if being that I was I'm so quiet, it's like if I raise my voice, like it must be a reason why I didn't raise my voice. But if you always hear people yelling all the time, you you become numb to it. And to me, that's not really coach. It's no disrespect to people. Do I don't know exactly how they speak, you know, but. Sometimes people are just yelling just to yell, and I'm I'm actually just trying to teach you things. And most of my – the teaching and, and the most I talk is in practice because that's when we're training. So when the game comes, all I should be able to do is make adjustments, some hand gestures because we've went over it plenty of times. But if it comes to a point where I have to raise my voice because you're making the same mistake over and over, I'm pretty much saying that you know you're better than this. It's not a in a demeaning way. It's you know we – you know you can do this. We worked on this. Come on, let's get it together. And I don't just take people out, you know, as soon as they make a mistake, that then the kids are playing in fear. I really like that. I, th I think there's been so much in this podcast that would be, like, good advice for other people trying to get into coaching, which is not totally what I've expected this to be, but I like that. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, if, if you could go back in time and give yourself, I guess, some advice when you, back when you were in high school, what, what would you tell your high school self? Um, high school, I think I pushed as hard as I could. I think I could have done a little bit more uh, leg work because I wanted to be a donk, end game donker. Um, I could do it, <laughs> but I, I wasn't an end game. I had to have everything perfect, feet, feet perfectly lined up, fresh, perfect grip on the floor for me to do it in the game. I could do it in practice. Um, so I think I would tell myself to just go ahead and do that. You, you're shooting 500 shots a day. Just go ahead and do your leg workout so you can get up you know, higher order rim than, than uh, so you can be more explosive. That would probably be the thing. It's funny. If I put in that amount of work in high school with, with leg workouts, I still would have needed a trampoline. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I wanted to also get into the NBA a little bit with you. I know you're a pretty big NBA guy, right? Yeah, I am. Do you follow the, any team specifically, any certain players, or just the league as a whole? I follow the league um, as a whole. It's, it's tough, you know, coaching because I don't get the chance to see a lot of games get highlights, so I can't really critique a lot. But I'm 
Golden State fan back when Mark Jackson had, you know, he originally told everybody how good, you know, the Smash Brothers were. And he's like, these boys been playing way before you just don't get don't get the TV time or they're way out in, you know, Elk in California. So, you know, we're sleek when they're playing. But I'm there I, and I like every I always in any sport. I like a local team. So my Wizards, I got to stick with my Wizards, my Mystics. We've been doing pretty good. Mystics and um, the Capitals and everything. My goal is to get to uh, um, a game. I haven't been to an ice hockey game. And I haven't been to the National Stadium. But in NBA, as far as it's uh, Golden State. And then I like individual players. Um, I'm not bandwagon, so I got to stick with Golden State. Um, but then I just like good basketball in general when I see certain players and who play the right way. Like when the Spurs were playing really well, they were making it look like they were at practice playing against, you know, teams. I mean, just the way you drew it up. So that's me as far as NBA. So you're a D.C. sports fan too, just in general? Yeah, I do D.C. Baltimore. If you're close to me, I got to take one of them. <laughs> so it's like the Ravens. I'm not a fanatic, but the Ravens, um, I like the 76ers. So I, I like the local teams. Okay. I guess then back to basketball, who are some of your favorite players? Currently or just overall? All time. Well, I came up in the Jordan era, so he's definitely that. Um, I was yeah, elementary when he came, so I've seen his whole career. I loved um, Penny Hardaway. He's A lot of people, he got hurt, but he was he was special. <laughs> he used to give the Bulls a lot of problems. Kobe, you know, after he retired, I, I started, you know, I gained a lot more respect for him on how he approached the game and his philosophy. And, you know, the goals, but he really broke it down to the to the letter as if you were in college or had a syllabus and ABC all the way through. And so I'm starting to use that with um, with my kids now, you know, like asking the goal and what's the steps and everything like that. Um, I love Kevin Durant and I love uh, I love the mentality of Westbrook and Steph. Steph Curry is a player I'm closely my myself played like had the same number put closely played like him. He's definitely a whole another way another level <laughs> than I could than I was. But as far as the game wise, the way I play, so I definitely love him. So do you do you see some of the your kids now trying to emulate players like that? Oh, all the time. I mean, they don't even come in the gym, and I mean, they come in and shooting thirty footers. So I'm like, you're not even warmed up yet. I was like, <laughs> Steph Curry don't even do that. I said, do y'all really watch Steph Curry? He comes in and starts right under the basket and works his way all the way out for, excuse me, routine. So, yeah, all of them. I mean, it's, they don't see all the behind-the-scenes stuff, even though they have access to YouTube now and seeing all the things they're doing, a lot of it. But, yeah, they definitely try to emulate all of that, all the fancy layups and all the stuff that <laughs> try to get a highlight instead of working on things that's going to really, really work in the game. What are some of your favorite moments, I guess, watching basketball? You, you mentioned some – we talked about some of your uh, memories of what your playing and coaching career. But I guess in terms of watching as a fan, what are some of the – what are your fav- some of your favorite basketball memories as a fan? Um, definitely the Jordan pose, you know, when 98, when he hit, this, hit the shot and had perfect form and just the way you work on it. Um, that was special to me. Seeing uh, – you know, Golden State win it when they say, you know, shooters can't, you know, what they say, shoot, shoot you in or out of the game. Shooters don't win championships, that type of thing. 
proving everybody wrong and seeing the local um, Mystics win the championship. Because I got a chance to go to see them live, you know, during the playoffs. And then um, and then to see it, you know, them end up winning it later, that, that meant a lot because it, it meant a lot seeing the local ones doing that. How much do you follow the girls' game? Um, I try. It's tough because, you know, the times. But <clears throat> I always – I was a fan, Maya Moore fan, and my daughter actually is a Maya Moore fan. Kind of the reason why she's named Maya, <laughs> also too. Um, but uh, I follow as much as I can. I just like seeing good basketball. So like I was following her in college, and seeing the way how she played and how she came off screens was played every possession hard. So when I see somebody I, in my mind is like special as far as fundamentals and athleticism, I, I, I get attached to them. I like that. So wait, you named your? Did you name your daughter after Maya Moore? <laughs> Yeah, I did. I can. Uh, <laughs> one of my favorite singers at the time was was named Maya, Sing- and then um, Maya Moore came. I said, "Oh yes, yeah, you're, you're Maya. We just spell it different." <laughs> <laughs> How old are your kids? Um, they're fourth and sixth grades, so twelve and nine right now. Uh, it's funny because my daughter, I didn't push it on her. I told her that was why she was named Maya, but she has ended up doing a report on Maya Moore, you know, and had a whole whole little thing going on had cut out posters and all that, but I, I don't push it on them, but she ended up liking her too. What was going through your mind when she, when she did that? Um, it was weird. I was like, is she doing this just because, cause I said, that's why I named her after her. Does she really like her? But I think she really, man, if she's playing basketball now and I've, I've shown her, I think she just got attached to her and it may be a little bit of, trying to just make daddy happy too well it might be <laughs> how special is it for your kids to be involved in, in the game um it's fun for me seeing them p- play you know it's my son loves it um I exposed him to travel basketball at an early age and he started liking it and then next thing you know he was loving it and he was like dad this is what I want to this is what I want to do I want to get a scholarship and I said please don't do it for me I said I got a scholarship you don't have to do this for me. I said, you don't have pressure. I'm a coach. So I gave him the whole spiel. I said, so if you want to do it, that's cool. I said, you'll have fun, especially if you work on your game and get good. It'll be fun. You'll get to travel around the world, definitely in, in, within America, you know, and you you won't forget those things. Um, as far as my daughter, she's in the gymnastics. She's always been at my son's practices, so she's learned the game. She's having a great – she's doing a great job in Parks and Rec right now. She's always been the youngest one playing, so um, she's always had to play against older kids. You know, and girls grow faster than boys, so she's always been the smallest one out there because two-year age difference is a big difference in girls. <laughs> so it's it's fun seeing them out there. And um, But I don't push it on them. I just tell them I'm going to be available if you want to go. Have you coached your kids at all? Yeah, I, I had how all by accident. I um, started Parks and Rec with my son they always need coaches and I was and I and I kept holding it off I kept telling them I was like I don't want to coach my son I, my father was one of my coaches in high school it's hard I didn't coach so many you know peers of mine whose sons are on my teams and I didn't want him to have that pressure and everything um but he ended up his he I told him about it and I was like they need coaches I said I don't I want you just to play I said I don't really want to be the coach but they need coaches if they um they called me again and really need help. What do you, what you think? He was like, oh, it's cool. Win practice. 
I was like, all right, so I guess where I'm coaching now. So that's how I started. And it's rough in the beginning, listening to your father, you know, and I'm not a holler anyway, but I'm still his father. So I understand, understand it. He's more open to it now because I, I, I put him on with a you know, team, you know, across the bridge, different mentality, the opposite of me. And um, now I, I help assistant coach with um, Gary Gould with our team, Pete team. And um, so it's, he's more receptive to, to listening now, um, me being an assistant. Um, my daughter, I had to coach her because I had I ended up coaching my son. <laughs> she's younger, so I, I had to. But she's she she listened to everything. She's daddy's girl. I know it's different. Listen, your father and it's a boy. But she's she's <laughs> anything I say, she's focused. <laughs> it would you? How would you feel about coaching your son like at the high school level? Um, we've actually had those conversations and. I told him it would totally be his choice because um, I don't know what school he's going to end up going to. I said, well, you're in sixth grade. We'll figure it out. If you still like playing basketball, when you get in eighth grade, we'll figure out what school you want to go to. I said, if you come to Cambridge, if I'm still there, I said, you're going to have a lot of pressure on you. And then people are going to assume that you're playing because I'm your father. So you're going to have to be two times as better um, than the next person if you decide. I said, but you don't have to do that. Um, a lot of his friends are in Easton. Uh, and St. Peter Paul's around, you know, right now, around, you know, in Easton when he plays for, you know, the coach. <laughs> so I just told him be loose with it. I said, if you come with me, I said, just know that's going to be your choice. I'm going to coach you. I said, but once, you know, as we do now, we don't talk basketball unless he brings it up. So like car rides, we don't talk basketball. It's father and son. So if he was with me in Cambridge, if I'm still there, it would be the same thing. If we leave, it's, Practice is over. We're not talking about basketball. We're back to father and son. I think that he's – I think he's actually open to it, just, you know, knowing your own child. I think he's more open to it. Two years ago, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I think because he got a chance to experience other coaches and everything like that, that he's more open and receptive to it and know that he doesn't really have to do it. You know, there's no pressure on him to do it because it's his choice if he wants to play. I told him, "Boy, have an easy life if you don't go. If I ain't take, you know, taking you across the bridge every every two, three days a week and all that stuff, we can sit at the house." I said, "So you're not, you know, it's not a big deal to me if we can sit home, ride bikes, you know." <laughs> <laughs> How much added perspective did it give you in, in that situation, being a coach's son yourself? Oh, it was a lot. Like uh, that's the that's why I didn't want to coach him from the beginning. You know, when he was in kindergarten. Because I didn't want, I didn't want it to, you know, strain our relationship. And it doesn't matter what. And I've seen this from so many players that I've coached, and how they are to, are towards their parent, their father. That is, um, it doesn't matter if your father is saying what's right, no matter how they say it, the tone. You, as a kid, you don't want to hear, it, especially being a teenager trying to figure yourself out and everything like that. You just don't want to hear it. When and, and you're in the house, you got to listen to them tell you clean your room, all that. So, time you get to basketball or any sport, you just don't want to listen to it, regardless. So, me having my my dad on the bench when I was in high school was just reflecting back. I was like, it was he wasn't telling me nothing wrong, but you just don't want to hear. It. Just I guess as a kid growing up. So I, that's why I try to stay away from it. But I just took a year by year with my son. He said I could coach him in the beginning. I seen I could see a little difference in how he. It was nothing, nothing, never disrespectful, but it was like 
I could tell, okay, it's my dad here. Okay. So let me put him somewhere else and see if he responds. So it works out good for me. I guess this is starting, we'll start to wrap up a little bit, but circling back to, to a comment I made before, if, if knowing what you know now, like going through everything you've gone through to get, you know, you're to be a successful coach and you're as long as you have, what, what would you tell somebody who's trying to crack into the, into coaching now? Um, just be coachable, very coachable as a, as a coach, um, learn your kids because the generations change fast. Understand, get to know the kids as people first, and then they'll they run through the wall. If they know they care, you care about them, and you're just not there to coach, they'll run through the wall for you. And then after that, it's just, you know, learning on the job, studying the game, because it doesn't matter if you can play basketball. If you can play personally, you have to, you have to learn the game, the area you're in, this type of players you have, and, and just be flexible in how you coach. A question that I just remembered I was going to ask before that, but how much crossover is there for you personally, I guess, between parenting, your styles of parenting and your styles of coaching? Oh, that's a good question. This is um, basically the same. That's just me as an individual. Um, I try to teach when when there's teachable moments, and I, I, I try to learn when there's learnable moments because I, I listen to my kids too. Their perspective means a lot too. You, we only have as I'm saying, that says perception is reality. So every person has their own perception. So everybody's reality can be different. So you just got to be open to hearing things out and then really try to figure out what's the solution or anything we can do about it. So it's very, very similar because I don't act like I know everything to the coach. I let them know. I say, I probably know a little bit more than you. I've been here. I've been there. I say, but if you see something or if it's something you think we can do better, talk to me. I have to be approachable. And that loosens the kids up. And I said, but if you talk, you know, have a solution. We're not just, we're not complaining. Just have a solution or something or just say, what can we do about this? And we'll figure it out. So I, 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 I run the household the same way I coach. It's just, just me. And I, I guess here, last question. What, when you are assessing what you, your job as a coach and how you've impacted these kids, what would leave you with a feeling of I've done my job well coaching up this kid? A lot of time is delayed gratification because they end up they they respect what you said and what you try to do for them as a person um, when they're already out of school. So when they're twenty five, they come back to me. But sometimes when you get done, you can see the progress from where they started to where they where they finished the season off, and you see how they you know, the energy they towards you is different where they can, you can feel the appreciation. Like coach did what he could to help me. He, he cares about me. So it means, it means a lot. You don't always get it right away. Um, but when it does happen, it, it, it feels good. All right, Marty, thank you so much for joining me. This was a fun conversation. Oh, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. It was fun. 